0: We on. Like Donkey Kong. We on. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Well... What's the dizzle? Been a hot minute. It has been a hot minute. It's been a bit of a minute.
1: A hot sec. Well, Rob, how has it been for you uh actually saying goodbye to everybody? Is that a pretty tough pretty tough thing? It's been very peaceful.
2: Um has moments of yeah, being sad, very sad. Um it's a unique situation because I'm moving like I think the place that I'm moving is like 12 minutes away, you know? Wow. So it's not, it's not a big move geographically or time wise. Um, So it's like, I don't know. And not, you know, I'm going to be at a different parish. I'm not going to like be here, obviously. Um, But just the opportunity to, to see people or run into people or say, Hey, or, um, you know, stuff like that is still just kind of present in a unique way for what's typical of a priest move, you know, especially our, our diocese is huge geographically. So, um, I don't know that there's ever been a shorter move, um, for, for a priest. So yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of up and up and down, but it's been very peaceful. It's been good. We've had, let's see, three weeks now of having people back in mass, which has been really nice and not huge crowds or or anything um which is fine and but it is just kind of getting a little bit more normal of a feel to at least say hey like kind of wave to people after mass and stuff like that and done a lot of dinners um which is great families and so that's been really really fun um yeah so no i i can't say i can't say that it's been um like super super tough. It's been very very peaceful and very excited to get to the new place as well.
1: Well, I'm glad that you can get some. Uh, like people are are actually back in church a little bit. You can get some closure
0: sure. with your time yeah. at
1: the parish. Uh, I was talking to one of our young parishioners yesterday, and my little sister went through the same thing at at her university. But you know, she just went home for spring break one day and then just didn't come back and and that was it there was like no closure on her her freshman year in college and and so you know being able to have have people come back to the church and actually get to say goodbye and things like that that that's that's nice that would be brutal if you just just didn't come back one day you know oh
2: my, oh my gosh yeah or if this was like still the height of the the stay at home stuff or something yeah. like that that would that would that would have been gosh i don't even know it just wouldn't would have been strange you know
1: right um, yeah yeah well a lot of y'all students probably felt the, th- the same thing didn't they
0: oh absolutely i think so yeah yeah that's tough rob you were on a call yesterday with uh focus right yeah. Yep. I'm sorry I missed that. How'd that go? Uh
2: it was good. I can only say about probably thirty minutes or so. Um it was very, very good though. It was just um the the R D and um yeah, I think it was like was there people from five campuses? I think I was the only chaplain that joined. Uh but it was just like a total QA stuff of like, hey, what's you know any any questions around you know what the fall is looking like from their perspective or anything like that and a couple of the people asked like yeah really insightful questions just on um i don't know general general stuff as as well so i was very i was very thankful for it. i would have stayed um i had to get a couple other things just had them on the on the docket couldn't stay long but it's very good pretty cool In our, our region,
0: region has uh Three dogs as chaplains.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. The other dog was not there either, which I was, I was actually, I'll be honest. I mean, I was, it was great. The people, I'm sure they're all big listeners, like the people I was on the call with. So <laughs> it was great. <laughs> um, no doubt about it. I mean, a hundred percent there, but I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was looking forward to maybe having you and Mano on there next time. Where were you? Why were you so busy? That's doing a, kind join? of a
0: cool thing. Uh, I got invited to um, film this video on. Uh, I don't really understand what it's what it's about, like in total. But yesterday we filmed at Our Lady of Sorrows Basilica on the on the West Side. Have you guys? Did Father Presta take you guys to the basilicas in Chicago? That was, oh yeah, like, something he did after my time, but. Um, do you go to Our Lady of Sorrows? I think so. It's huge. It has this big, um, the priest called it a coffered ceiling. It's kind of like the ceiling at the Mundelein Library, where it's got all those, like, you know what I'm talking about? How it's got all those indentations that are squares oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that have like a medallion in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, They've all got these little rosette things, and it's just thousands Um of spots and then it's all painted uh gilded with with different colors and stuff like that it's very beautiful uh basilica built in 1902 but uh it was kind of interesting we were just he was walking me around the church and they filmed us and he just kind of explained the history and i asked him some questions and then we sat in one of the pews and he's in his 70s he was born he actually grew up in the parish and now he's a servite who um who's in charge there um And we just talked about priesthood from our different perspectives and backgrounds and stuff. You know, he grew up in the the heyday of the the Chicago parish at one of the most legendary parishes in Chicago. Um, Mm. Fulton Sheen, actually, there's a famous video of Fulton Sheen narrating a high mass. Um, Oh, that's at Our Lady of Sorrows? Yeah. Oh,
1: I've seen that video.
0: It was a famous parish. Uh, Pope Pius XII named it a basilica because of the perpetual... Devotion to or novena to Our Lady of Sorrows, which started started a long time ago, but it really gained steam in the depression. And Mm. they would have 80,000 people on a weekend. Oh, wow. Come pray this novena. So it was uh, and it was not even just Catholics, like he said, Jewish people were coming and everybody all walks of life um, to pray this novena. So it was kind of a historic event, cultural event in Chicago. Um, and so it was named a basilica And uh when would Pius the 12th have been? Forties? Yeah. Just
1: before mm-hmm. World war two and, and through World war two. Yep. Yeah.
0: So it's cool. And I think we're going to do, so that's what I was doing filming yesterday. And then he's going to, that priest is going to come to Newman. I'm going to kind of explain what we're, what we do. So it'll be a little bit of, uh, like an art and architecture slash, Priesthood and mission and intergenerational thing. It's nice, for a, a, for a friend who asked me to be part of it.
2: You could maybe get DMAC on there and just talking about worship space and stuff
1: like that too. Yeah, the, make...
0: the, the, the church is the skin of the worshiping community. <laughs>
1: Somewhere he's he's angry. Yeah. He, just he just got mad. He just got mad. He's not. He that will produced... Right now, and he doesn't know
0: why. Yeah. What? Oh. <laughs>
1: that will be a pretty stark contrast between the Basilica and um, our humble chapel. And yeah. So yeah, I've never been to, I remember when, when uh, Presta took everybody on those, yeah Basilica tours and I, I was out of town. I, I I missed that tour Mm. very, very early on in Mundelein. But I mean, if that's, a beautiful church in chicago full of beautiful churches you know that's that's really saying something
0: yeah yeah there are some there's a handful of churches that are just outrageously um huge and beautiful john cantius is one of them mm-hmm. a lot of people know about that one but uh yeah saint stanislaus Kostka, saint uh-huh. hyacinth queen of all saints
1: yeah, is that the one with the, the big John angels? John Paul II
0: at Newman Center. <laughs> <laughs> right,
2: that, I, that was it. I was looking for that. That's it. Yeah. No.
1: That was, was next was on the docket. There. Y'all do right. have beautiful stained glass windows, man.
0: Thank you. Yeah, the, the friend who uh, is doing the project restored those windows. And he restored. They have uh, paintings of the seven sorrows by this guy Chambers, who I guess was a, a famous American religious artist. And uh, they just restored them, which was part of the... That's the the benefit that he has is that it kind of showcases their work.
1: Uh, Very cool.
2: Yeah.
0: But he. Did do you guys windows. find? Um.
2: I probably know the answer to this for you guys, but I'm curious. I mean, do you find that like a greater attraction to, um, or if you were if ever in like called to build a church or something like that, would you find more of an attraction to like like a big like gothic type you know some of those are almost like daunting when when you walk in in like this kind of cool beautiful way um and then i'm trying to think of an example but like there are some churches that are i would call like more modern but have been done with like actual like good theology so there's like there's like a little bit more of a for like gosh DMAC is probably gonna flip if you ever listen to this but like a homey feel but like still mm-hmm. there's like like a proper like orientation and it kind of pulls you to, towards the altar and everything like that. So I don't know, just the kind of the emotional and um, yeah, even spiritual like effect of walking into different churches can be different. Do you guys have an attraction to like one specific type or does one really like stand out of like, man, there's something about this place that is just different for, for me when I walk in.
0: Man, the archetype in my mind is St. John's and Champagne. Um, Yeah. But I think that's partly because it's such an integral part of my story. Walking in there as a 17-year-old, visiting colleges, um, the noble simplicity of it. Yeah. And uh, like you said, everything just oriented toward the right end, the altar, the tabernacle. But then everything else, all the other art, And architecture features contributing to that you know reflecting it flowing flowing out of it Mm -hmm. it's not it's not like saint paul's in minnesota or or some gigantic place um it does feel like i I mean i spent a lot of hours in there when it was empty it feels kind of cozy and and warm but at the same Mm -hmm. time big and reflecting god's transcendence tall that dome or the half dome over the over the altar with the Last Supper and I mean it speaks of God's majesty, but also you feel like you belong there. I did, at least. Maybe not everybody does, but that's that's the kind of church I would want to build if I had mm-hmm. the privilege of doing so. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't build a modern one. I don't think.
1: No, same. Yeah, I don't think I. I don't think I would build a modern one. <laughs> uh dang man, it's tough. I remember the, um, the effect that stepping into some of those churches and when we did that trip to France,
0: mm.
1: and just trying to like understand how huge those churches were. They they were so, yeah, I guess just massive that my my brain like couldn't proportionalize everything that was going on. Um, do you remember when we stopped in, I think it was uh ruin and we, oh. we visited the cathedral in there and yeah, it, you know, it's kind of worn down, but I, that was the first, um, <laughs> that was the, one of the first churches that we visited. And I was just in awe of how massive it was. And, that was just like one of, <laughs> every other church we visited was just like that, you know? Um,
0: you remember walking into the Basilica in uh, Bethlehem? The Nativity? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, it doesn't even feel like a church. It's so big. It's like a, it's like you're outside, even though you're inside. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the same
1: I with remember. the sepulcher. Though. Yeah.
2: yeah, I, I was going to say the, the sepulcher kind of had more of that effect on me probably than the, the
0: church in Nativity.
2: Mm-hmm. Um of like, man, this is this feels like a it feels like an ancient city more than a church or it's something. Polysepaker like
0: did feel like a city. It did yeah. feel like a
2: city. Hmm.
0: Well,
1: yeah, I mean yeah. It's great. When we were there they were doing construction on it. And so like when we did our overnight, they had a bunch of support beams around the the actual place um the actual tomb where Jesus rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. And but I mean, in the middle of the night, like when when we did our overnight, you'd hear a like a bobcat driving through the church and like moving these huge pillars, and like okay, there's actual construction equipment in here. <laughs> That's it's, it's like a, it's just like a, a dump truck backing up. Dude, dude, like, all right, this does feel more like a city, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then nonetheless, you, you know, our group was getting yelled at by by other monks. Like that guy's <laughs> driving a bobcat almost right. into the tomb of Jesus, all right, like just let me sit here, please,
0: <laughs> yeah
1: hmm.
0: yeah, who knows though, dude I mean, my dream is to is to kinda renovate restore the the chapel that we have nice um, if we can do the if we can do a campaign to raise the money, i think um, I think you could make it beautiful um it has a certain beauty to it already but i just think i i I like that aspect of the the projects kind of what i'm doing with the with the garden and the patio right now is just like microcosm of take the substrate of a of a place that you're already in and like find its find its beauty Mm -hmm. like michelangelo carving the whatever take away everything that's not the Pietà, or the David, or something. Yeah. Ooh, like so seeing, seeing some potential. I really like that. That seems kind of co-creative with God. You know what I mean? I do like that.
2: I do like that.
0: Starting what? from scratch, man. Like the the basilica that I went to yesterday. They, they in 1902. I mean, the original church, I assume, burned in the fire in 1871. And they had, a, they had a small church there. It was always called Our Lady of Sorrows. It was always a servoid parish. Um, but then, like, right at the end of the 19th century, these Italian, a couple of Italian priests in an Irish neighborhood were just like, let's build a huge, gigantic church in the style of the Italian Renaissance. And somehow they were able to raise, raise the money with a bunch of working-class people and build this huge thing. I just can't, it's so hard for me to imagine yeah. A culture that could bear that, you know, that what would get one, behind it
2: and pay for it. Of the basilicas it. that, that Pruss used to take guys to, what was the one that um was the Polish parish that's now a basilica? Am I thinking of? Do you know How what i was talking, talking about? Okay, maybe. I just remember, I think it was that one. I don't even remember, honestly, a lot of what it looked like. But there was this incredible tabernacle, like, somewhere in the church. It wasn't even the main one, I don't think. And I remember talking to a guy that was there, I don't know if he worked there or what, but uh he was saying that he, they were telling the story of like to forge this tabernacle. They literally just took a collection of like jewelry from local people that wanted to to give to it, to like leave something to to the church. And then so he was so he was telling me, he was like my grandmother's wedding ring is in that tabernacle. Wow. That's cool. Isn't that really cool? I was like, oh my gosh. So, I mean, to answer that, like, yeah, it doesn't completely answer it. Like, how did they, how did they do that? And how did this like community or block or culture or whatever it is kind of do, do this? That's part of the answer, dude, of like, I just, I found, I still, that stuck with me through all these, all these years of him being able to point to that tabernacle, like, you know, however many decades later. And he was like, yeah, my, my grandmother's wedding ring is in that tabernacle because they, they just wanted, like, they wanted to be able to, to give to this for like the next generations um, here. So that's one thing they like thought and prayed on to, to
1: like sacrifice. And I was like, whoa, that is, that's that's pretty wild stuff. (laughs) Think about how meaningful that would be to be praying yeah. there and yeah, to see that tabernacle, like literally like family heirloom, right. M- makes up this little house of God. Yeah. Yeah. It, the conundrum that I think exists always is,
0: well, there's a picture of, of Hyacinth.
1: Oh man. That thing's What's the crazy. conundrum? Is that, um, well, this is going to be a bunch of general statements, so let's just have at it. Um, you know, modern architecture, especially when it comes to church architecture, it has been tried and I think it kind of played itself out and people were like, whoa, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> that was interesting, um, but it doesn't reflect or signify any it has very little transcendent signification, meaning like it it doesn't point to much else. And I think that's a big problem with just straight up modern architecture. Um, But it's also can be really, really expensive to do the ideal. um, I mean, it's expensive to build any sort of a church, but it's expensive to, to really build something big and beautiful and, (laughs) Um, the modern stuff does have a, a practical functionality to it. And I guess telling that line of like, Hey, we don't want to, we don't want everyone in the parish to go bankrupt just to build a church. Cause one, it's not going to happen. No, people won't, won't give amount of money for that. Um, and then also like, uh, we want it to be, um, we want it to be a place that, that is a bit more, I don't know if you want, uh, not welcoming, but a bit cozier, you know, instead of like going over to these um, big Western cathedrals over in France, which are big and beautiful, but they're also now kind of daunting and and haunting because they're totally empty. And right. so their hugeness is like a almost a proclamation of a time that was you know it it's more like ossified bones than um than a living church Hmm. and and so like how do you balance that where this is going to be some sort of a timeless piece of art that allows us to enter into the liturgy and not just um not just something for our community for the next 100 years you know because I think that's what we see in a lot of these places. They build these big churches where communities are on fire for the faith and then the faith dwindles. And then these giant churches. Or the community moves. Community moves or yeah. I mean, tons of different reasons or um, even like tragedy strikes, fires, earthquakes, different things. And then they become abandoned. Um, And I don't know, maybe that's not even a good enough reason to not build a beautiful church. Um, But but it's tough to operate in the practical limitations of you know like building a building a church project um building a new church and trying to make it beautiful but also um making it beautiful and and I know Dmac yeah I think all of us in the back of our heads can hear Mac's rebuttals to everything that we're saying <laughs> yeah I definitely um, can Yeah and I and I've heard him lay down really good um he would say that it's possible and I would agree with him to build a very beautiful church and to make it cost effective. Um, yeah, but, but I think that is the, the, the tight rope that you have to walk. Um,
0: well, there's a couple of things that come to mind. One is Notre Dame cathedral in Paris. Um, and how, was that like eight or 900 years old? Um, when it burned and, it uh <laughs> it took generations to build that church, you know. There were mm-hmm. people who started it that didn't see it finished. Um we don't it's not it's not even just about money um for us. Like I think we want ROI, return on investment, you know, pretty quickly. Hmm. Whereas um and, and we think very practically. Whereas I think the artisans and and whatnot that were carving gargoyles that never got seen and back staircases up to choir lofts at Notre Dame weren't doing that because this was going to serve some practical end or they thought, you know, I think this neighborhood is here to stay. The Ile de la Cité. Uh, Turns out it was. Uh, Paris is still going strong, but, um, you know, that was a monument to God and there's a timelessness to it because it's it was built in time, but not for the temporal secular purposes. Um, you know, it had a, it had a higher, it was a a value response to something higher than simply like the parish here or something like that. You know, it was, this is worth making because it's beautiful and, and God is beautiful and we worship God and this place needs to reflect what that's all about. You know, um, and the timelessness, I mean, the to your point about modern architecture, I mean, I'm not I'm not for poo-pooing modern architecture carp like writ large, just saying nothing modern has been beautiful. Because there's been some stuff and even churches, I think. My uh my parents' parish, Faith, Hope, and Charity and Winetkits uh DMAC's favorite modern church it was built in the sixties. And uh it's great. Um but there is, uh, and we still build big things, you know. Um, but my whole thing is, uh, I can't remember if this is Wendell Berry or Roger Scruton something that like cities being on a human scale. The architecture needs to kind of like serve the person, not the person serve the architecture. And a lot of times, like if you drive, if you walk through downtown Chicago in the Loop, where there's all these skyscrapers and stuff, you're just on the street level, and there's Dunkin' Donuts and and little storefronts, Seven Elevens, and those are like what you interact with as a human being—the uh, doors that you open and and stuff that you that you can see. But towering above you, you're constantly in the shadow of these gigantic buildings, and what's right in front of you is huge concrete um, things holding these buildings up. You know, the foundations of the Hancock Building or the Sears Tower or, or whatever. Um, And you have no way to like put that into context, you know, like there's thousands of people in this building. um, But I don't I can't see where they are, you know, I can't see where they even go into this building. It's just like this huge monolith here in the city, whereas you, you walk through you walk in front of huge churches and they kind of like they do this awe inspiring thing, but you can. But there's like little details over the portals, you know, little arches that tell you this is where you go in. This is how you enter in. And there's there's intentionality. Like when you come into this doorway, you you walk through this small space to enter this huge space. And it draws your heart into something that makes sense on the human scale, even though it's it makes you feel small sometimes, you know, like climbing to the top of a mountain um, is different than going to the top of a tall building. You know what i mean um so i think i think the classical architecture there's there's stuff that's gonna be around for 800 900 years because it just speaks to something human in all times and places and these beautiful churches in chicago even not even churches but there's like um the cook county hospital which is walking distance from me um I don't know when it was built, but I just took a photo of it the other day I was on a run. I'm like, this is a beautiful building and it it says Cook County Hospital, it's it's Stroger Hospital now in like gilded letters at the top of the building. Um if you didn't know it was a hospital, you'd think it was like a state capitol or a or something, you know, a courthouse or it's got all these ca- uh, uh, columns and capitals and uh you know exactly where the front door is. Where's you you know we go to hospitals a lot you you know that hospitals are hard to find the entrance to because you're like this is just this big steel and glass thing um and it's usually modern but it's it just kind of like plopped it's this huge building plopped in the middle of a, a residential zone or commercial zone or whatever um and they look dated in 20 years you know like that looks old but this hospital was built at a time where they're like, this is this has to fit into the larger architecture of the city. Um, and it's still beautiful, you know. So that's what I, I hope is that like we can return to that where we sort of like build buildings to fit into the larger city. That, and also know that it like it's not it's not about this project that I want to see done in my lifetime for this practical purpose, but just to make beautiful things because they're beautiful and that that can be very uh evangelical you know people will be like why is this building different than the other buildings you know it's just one one way to express the value that we are living for um you know what i'm saying yeah yeah and i i think the question is
1: do people believe that there's value to it you know because we're going to vote with our feet and with our money we as in I guess Americans um, are you gonna yeah are are people gonna support that um can we convince people that there actually is transcendent value that that needs to be accessed and needs to be um yeah i i I read an an article I think it was in Father Hebden's class that said that um um church buildings are the what do you say the manifestation of of the human spirit towards god in in stone so it's like the 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 church in a sense embodies something invisible within us but we have we concretize it and we we want to make it real and so we're like god is like this and we build this giant building or god yeah. is like God is beautiful, like this, and in relation to Him, this is who I am. And there's no way to to just say that, or just draw it, or paint it, or sing it, but like we want to make it into something. We want to insole it uh, into something concrete. But but the question is, like, can you get people behind it? Um, And I would love to say, yeah. I, I really hope I really hope so and and hopefully the timelessness of it um will win out at the end of the day where yeah i mean the things that are long lasting and transcendently beautiful hopefully will will stay around and and there'll be a recognition of those things but um like even at my parish here, we have a really beautiful it's a it's a wonderful wonderful church it's got stained glass from Chicago. Um, it has a proper liturgical orientation as a beautiful, um, high altar that we got from also from Chicago. Um, and it's, it's simple. It's not ornate, but there's like the right architectural and artistic details that subconsciously point your mind and your heart to the right place. And, and the church has a type of integrity to it where it's not just adding pious things to it, but everything serves one purpose, which is all towards Jesus, towards the altar, towards the liturgical action. But it's not, it's simultaneously not ginormous, but it's also pretty big. And it makes you feel like you are entering into like a larger um, a larger kingdom when you come in there. But we have a a, a steeple that one of the pastors in 19 was it 96 maybe, um, did some renovations and put the steeple up there and our, and our church is built on a hill and this steeple, uh, has become quite a problem. It leaks like nobody's business. (laughs) And so we have like a lot of, uh, costly, um, practical expenses that come from having this big steeple. And, and it doesn't even have, it doesn't even have bells in it. It doesn't do anything. It's just this big pointed object that points up to the sky, but, but you can see it from everywhere in the city. It's like the first thing you see when you drive in, into Rome is, is our steeple. And you can see it from around, like from, from a long ways away. And it does have a type of evangelical character to it. Um, But like even one of the discussions that we're having in the parish is it, it serves no purpose. It has, it doesn't even have bells in it. It's a bell tower. You know, it's, 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 but it it doesn't even have, you know, the one thing that it's supposed to have. And, uh, I don't know if we'll be able to, to keep it because it is causing such a problem. Um, it's leaking all this water and into the church and yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, but even at, at my parish here, it's, we're kind of having that same discussion, where hey, there's some transcendent, beautiful value to it that I think is worth investing in, um and then the other side would say like it th- th- has serves no practical function, the functionality is not present um yeah, and I think that's that's similar to the discussion that's being had um maybe in the United States church as a whole um somewhere around that question of beauty and functionality, trying to balance the two together.
0: Yeah. And I think it has to do somewhat with our, I mean, it has to match the people and their style of life and the rhythm of life. You know, I think of, um, hidden life, you know, where they're out harvesting wheat and there's that bell tower and it's like, you couldn't have a simpler church. It fits maybe like 20 people. Remember from the movie, um, Mm -hmm and yet they stop to do the angelus with their work you know um when they hear the bells they have their corpus christi processions through the fields and um their life is obviously punctuated with these spiritual moments you know that are liturgical and catholic whereas you're you're commenting about the ossified bones of uh european churches that sort of speak to an age that the age that built these um but now they they don't match up with the priorities of the people today and just building something beautiful. I think it does have evangelical value, you know, driving into a city and seeing a steeple. It just reminds you of God and Chicago. God knows driving up from the south side on on the expressway into the city. You just see the skyline, especially out to the east. You just see skyscrapers. But to the west, you see all these steeples. Um and you think this is a Catholic city, you know, look at all these neighborhoods, every single one with a beautiful church in it, Yeah. um, but the, they're for the most part empty. Um, there's a, a church near here, the shrine. It's beautiful. Um, I've been able to celebrate mass there. And during this time when we're closed, uh, a few baptism thing and things like that, and they have real bells in their bell tower. It's a, it's a small, um, church. It was an Italian parish. It's now a shrine. And, um, yeah, the bells are, are bronze with silver mixed in there to make the sound clear as a, as a bell, as a silver bell. And, um, remember their first, their first masses, uh, after reopening with this past Sunday, I was out in my brief, uh, my balcony doing the briefing, And I heard the bells, you know, from like three quarters of a mile away. And it's just like this dulcet mm. sound, this sweet sound of, of bells. And the priest was telling me that he did a, a wedding, you know, like with 10 people at it. Uh, a few weeks ago and they weren't allowed to have singing you know except a canter and so they wanted for their um, processional out just for the bells to ring mm. and you know the it's kind of cacophonous the ding 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 but they walk out of the church and i could just imagine these bells filling this it's not a huge church but it has the same feel it's like a like a uh, a cathedral in a smaller scale, you know, when you sing in there, it just echoes. And I did a baptism and sang the litany of the saints as we processed up to the baptismal font. And you're just like three people singing fills this church and it resonates and it's all, it's all made for this purpose. Um, you know, microphones help, but you don't need them. (laughs) You know, it's just sort of like acoustically architecturally everything. And I thought, uh, you know, like they can't, they ring their bells, praise God for that. They, But there's some neighborhoods where it's like, oh, can you shut those stupid church bells off? You know, they bother me. I'm trying to work from home. And <laughs> our rhythm of life has totally changed. For You know, I'm not saying that it's we're all pagans or, or practical atheists, but um, there's a difference between a culture that has a consensus that like, oh, when the bells ring, it's time to go to mass or when the bells ring, it's time to stop what you're doing and pray yeah. the Angelus. You know what I mean? Um, yeah so in order to build those things it's kind of a chicken or egg situation in order to build those things you kind of already have to have the cultural value of of worship as a as a priority but until you have those buildings to do it in it's hard for us to imagine what that would look like you know what i mean
1: yeah
2: no i'm how mike framed the question is i mean even that example you guys used mike of talking about like this this steeple that like doesn't really serve a purpose right now, but like you can understand where it still has value and everything. It reminded me of the story, you know, in a totally different scale. So what is Chicago? Like nine million people or something mm-hmm. like that. And Iliopolis is like nine hundred
0: people. So pretty similar. In a yeah, lot but of it's ways. the geographic center of Illinois. It is. It's it the is. Gravi- <laughs> it's the center of gravity of the entire the state. The
2: center of it all, I believe, is the slogan. Uh small town with a big heart. <laughs> Um, but small town I mean, big heart, I like that small town big heart, yep, um, but I mean, you guys have seen the church there, it's like the eighteen sixties red brick, you know with the the big steeple, and I love that church um there, and you can see it from uh the highway and see it pretty much at any point in in town, but just kind of a cool um, yeah, I think it means a lot being from there this story, but' just a really good family that's at this point like kind of just one of the old like, um, Eliopoulos families that I grew grew up with is that the story goes, he used to, and he's been passed away for a number of years. Um, the guy that originally moved to town, but he had gone to, um, like vet school. I think they were from the East coast maybe. And in those days they were just kind of like looking for a place to settle down, like start, start a practice. And, um, but one of the thing I guess like the deciding factor for them to move to town was the steeple of the church um because they were Catholic like very faithful Catholics, and that was important to them, and so this was like of the towns, this is the one that you could see the steeple from the farthest away, and so they were like, okay, we're going to move to Heliopolis and just like start our life here because of wow. that, and you know it's just like yeah, like several generations then of like their kids and grandkids went through the schools and um yeah it's just pretty cool stuff and Anyway, that's why I'm very interested in the question, uh, what you guys are talking about and how you frame that, Mike. Of, that's just a really important question. Because um, I get it where something has become like a headache, you know, and it, it just leaks and isn't serving a practical purpose. But, like, you can still see that there's something, like, yeah, evangelical and even, like, just, like, a. Uh, a notion or like almost just like a feeling that like, no, somehow this is important here, you know, that you can kind of get at through anecdotal stories like that. I don't have an answer. I'm just trying to frame it for, for myself oh, yeah. because I think it's a really, a really good one. Um, especially for, for right now. Um, yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah. It seems like, well, Connor, I like one of the things that you said as well that, um, the church needs to also ser- serve the people. You know, it's, it's timeless in a sense, but it's also meant for a specific time in a specific place for specific communities. And to, I think, to miss either of those things, to miss the timelessness of it, and then to miss the actual, um, you know, th- this is for the the people as well. Um, I, I think that sometimes when you when we when we get a little bit off. So, like you build some church that's so massively ginormous and beautiful that either the community can't it's not cost effective or they can't actually build it or um it doesn't it doesn't connect with them in any real way um you know that misses the mark, but then also to build a church for a people that's totally practical and only functional. You know, a lot of our churches here in Atlanta were built in the 70s, 80s, and they were the uh, multi-use. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, the multi-use churches. Is, is this, is that the right phrase for it?
0: I don't know. But yeah, in Chicago, there was a, a big thing in the 60s and 70s where you'd, the real reason you needed a new parish was the school because there were so many kids in the baby boom. Oh, right. So they would build a, School first, and use the gym as the church until they built that's the it. church. And there are many churches that don't have churches that still use the gym, the, yeah. or what would have yeah. been the gym, and that's the yeah. church. So yeah, it's yeah. like a multi-use. You can tell it's not meant to be a church.
1: Multi-purpose center. The multi-purpose center. There we go. Yeah. Or in uh,
0: in El Salvador, they had a place in the in the orphanage called the okay. Salón de Usos Multiplace, which they always <laughs> use the, the full title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but there it
1: misses the the transcendent quality and so you only have one without the other and i think when either of them totally dominates then then you get it's problematic um because the church and this is i don't know if y'all knew this but this is what i wrote my thesis on is um the nature of church buildings and my big thesis was that the church building is meant to signify the church building does signify the mystical body of Christ, which means that, yeah, it's meant to signify the the people of God who are the church, capital C church. But to only consider that in the temporal order is to miss an aspect of the mystical body of Christ so that there is something supernatural and glorified and properly ordered and beautiful and divine about the mystical body of Christ as well. So it misses it to say, hey, we want a church that that signifies us only on a horizontal plane. And so that's when you get the circle church that has oddities and deformities because hey, we're human and to air is human and right. And so so we're gonna make this uh a reflection a, of a gathering space, yeah, a reflection of of the church, the people of God, right here. So this is the house of God. And that's true but it also doesn't consider the whole picture that this is also um that a house of God not just a house of the, the people of God and and it needs to reflect the entirety of the mystical body of Christ which is the angels and saints which during the liturgy like we we call on we say like all the angels and saints the whole body of Christ the whole the whole world in a sense that is incorporated into the saving action of Jesus is worshiping with Jesus to the Father. And so then you have a, a church that really signifies both of those things. Because, um, yeah, like in France, big, beautiful church that gets the transcendent but misses the people. That's not it. But then the church that only represents the people in the temporal order and misses the transcendent reality of the mystical body, it also misses it. And Both of those, I think, will come and go. But then, yeah, I like the example from from a hidden life, or even Rob. That's such a cool story because that church is beautiful in Iliopolis, but it's also simple, Um, and it it was built by that community for that community, but also for the greater glory of God. And I think it it has all those things tied together. Um, I think that's when you when you hit the nail on the head right there is when you when you get both of those things together
0: nice dude sweet summary statement because i gotta go
1: nice you really brought it it. together i didn't
0: i I forgot that you wrote your thesis on that you should have should have led with that
1: no it's okay it's okay
0: Good girl.